Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast. Each week, I'm enjoyed by incredible leaders all around the world, and today is no different. Karen Mangia is an internationally recognized thought leader whose TEDx appearance, keynotes, blogs, and books reach hundreds of thousands of business leaders each year. She's the author of Working From Home, Making the New Normal Work For You, Listen Up, How to Tune Into Customers and Turn Down the Noise, and also Success With Less. A prolific blogger and sought-after media interview, she has been featured in Forbes and regularly contributes to Thrive Global and ZDNet. As Vice President, President sorry, of Customer and Market Insights at Salesforce, she engages current and future customers around the world to discover new ways of creating success and growth together. She serves on the company's Work From Home Task Force, where she's helping the company's 50,000 plus worldwide employees to better adapt work from home environment. I'm excited to talk about this actually. Passionate about diversity and inclusion, she also serves on the company's racial equality and just in task force. Prior to Salesforce, she spearheaded customer satisfaction and experience at Cisco Systems. So first and foremost, welcome to the show, Karen. Thanks so much. It's great to be here with a global audience and have no jet lag whatsoever. <laughs> I know to go on all those world stages and talk and now everything's through Zoom. I just I just wish I'd have had um, a shares in Zoom before like, before COVID because it's just it's um, amazing. But first and foremost, like I was saying, just reading there about your bio, you've had an incredible career. But when you talk about Adapting work home environment during this time of COVID and attesting to the campaign, it's all about mental health and well being. How have you gone with that? And um, I'll touch upon that first because I really like to know the person behind the profession. So, if you can just take us to the work life balance and what you've noticed within your profession as a corporate leader. What I've realized is how important it is to make time for our own well being. And we all knew that before the pandemic, right? And we were executing that plan to varying degrees of success. And what I've discovered during this time is staying healthy and well so that I can show up as my best self at work is taking some new time and some new tools. And something that I'm a big believer in is routines, rituals, and boundaries. And I talk about this in the Working From Home book. I mean, we all instantly lost our commute and our get ready routine. And time has a strange way of filling itself in, you know, kind of automatically. And I wanted to be intentional about the routines, rituals, and boundaries that would really help me do two things. First, make sure that I wasn't working all the time. You know, this little habit where you like kind of walk by your laptop and it becomes like your pantry, you start snacking on it. Like, oh, just one more email, just I'll quickly check this. And suddenly your nights and weekends have, have completely evaporated. So that was the first piece. The second is, to really stay connected to movement and healthy habits. And I feel like that takes time. So, you know, I, I've thought about really taking some elements of my health and well-being routine that were in place before, uh, like music and mindfulness and movement, and sort of doing that routine in a different order. Because I don't know about you, I was discovering 
when I waited to do those things at the end of the workday as a transition to home, I would just either compress them or skip them, right? Because now you're starting to choose like, well, do one more email or should I go start making dinner or whatever that looks like for you. So I sort of took my night routine and I made it my morning routine and I'm finding it's helping me come into the day feeling calm and having the best of my creative energy available so I can do things like have this conversation and feel fully present and starting the day with calm instead of chaos, I'm finding is really helping me show up at work differently and feel different at the end of the day. When I do my shutdown ritual where I literally power down my laptop, close everything down, walk out, turn off the lights and literally leave work behind. Wow. And I mean, even I I love that because talking about mindfulness along my journey, I've really touched in and delved deep. And a lot of that is really going internal. And I think during this time of pandemic, a lot of people have had to go internal. But for yourself to be on TEDx speaker, world stages, and then an author, highly acclaimed author, and then also overlooking this many employees, I suppose it's essential to get that right. But if we can take it back from the beginning before the amazing career and journey you've been on, who is the person behind the profession? Who's Karen? So Karen is a person who loves to learn, deeply curious. I, I, I'm the person who loves to kind of sample a little bit of everything. And I'll give you a few examples. Uh, so even though in university, uh, you know, I studied international business and broadcast telecommunications, I have a a master's degree in information and communication sciences. I also earned a degree while I was in my professional career and became a professional chef. So I'm a trained professional chef. Um, I sing, I play the piano, I've done tap dancing, you know, this myriad of things. And here's what I've, I've learned about myself over time is I like the process of learning and discovery. And I don't have to master, you know, a skill or a hobby or a task to enjoy it. And something that's been fun as that has sort of come forward into this pandemic period of time is I, during the the whole very stringent lockdown, started thinking about if, if our circumstances are not going to change right now, you know, how could I change my relationship with the circumstances and maybe contribute in some way? And so I reimagined where I live as an all-inclusive resort. And I put a series of like snippets out on social media every weekend. You know, one weekend I'm like running a a horse race, right? Uh, Replicating a famous one. You know, another weekend it's, you know, it's like a, a football game. You know, another weekend it's, you know, a ranch. And the, the point was to use that creative energy to put out into the world an opportunity for people to suspend reality even temporarily and laugh because I mean, what I'm really laughing at is kind of myself. Right. Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know what, how could I just use what I have access to like props (laughs) in my home and my imagination and create a way for people to connect. And it's so funny because I'll, I'll even go into meetings with business people and they'll say, what's happening at your all inclusive resort this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) We all know about it. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I thought, you know, even in the most serious of circumstances, we still need to laugh and we still need to have fun. And it's part of coping in a healthy way and finding our way through some circumstances that can be really overwhelming if we just dwell on them all the time. 
Yeah. And what I wanted to touch upon there, because delving into the person behind the profession, when people, so what I did with the campaign is literally, I sadly lost a friend suicide in the corporate sector. And this stemmed me making this whole notion of disrupting corporate silence and social media, because what we pretend to see sometimes, or people as humans make judgment, whether something's good or bad, when they see people like yourself or celebrities, corporate leaders, and they think everything comes easy. What would you know? Because you've got this money and you've done this. I mean, how have you navigated within a corporate space your own mental health and well-being, whether indirectly or directly, if you've seen people suffer and employees? I'm first of all very sorry to hear about your friend and and loss changes us hmm. in so many ways. And it it might surprise you to, you know, after you read that, you know, introduction and looking at me now to find that really my wake up call in life was major medical. And I was at a point where, you know, I had a big job leading a big team and lots of responsibilities. And if you just looked at my life from the outside in, you know, all the metrics of my life look great. You know, my resume, my LinkedIn profile, I was getting promoted, having access to more. And strange things started happening. You know, I, I was noticing I was starting to gain some weight and I thought, well, you know, I'm out seeing lots of clients in this sales leadership job, you know, I'm eating more than I normally do. And then it was like, oh, I'm feeling kind of tired. Well, I've been skipping my workouts to work on some presentations and I'm sure that's the reason. And I progressively tolerated and explained away a series of symptoms as we all do. You know, we all have this inside voice that talks to us and often we quiet that with activity. And what happened was it culminated for me in a different version of what you just described, which is a very powerful attention getting moment that was impossible to ignore. And it was the moment that I went to phone my brother and I picked up my mobile phone and I realized I couldn't remember his name. Now I have one brother and I talk to him every single week. We're very close. And I had to go through a process of deductive reasoning. Like we have the same last name that will shorten the list. And I thought to myself, this is not okay. And what happened in that moment is it started me on a major medical journey of three and a half years of being chronically misdiagnosed, during which point my hair fell out, uh, my skin turned gray. I gained 55 pounds without ever having a baby, by the way. And one day I looked in the mirror and my eyes had literally changed color. And I no longer recognized the person looking back at me. And I felt hopeless and afraid and, and also just exhausted. I mean, I, I just felt in such a place of despair. And I'm grateful that in that moment, I did connect with a healthcare provider who eventually got the correct diagnosis. And it was still another five years of that healing journey before I could get to a completely clean bill of health. And something that was so terrifying for me in that moment is not just how terrible I felt and then getting worried, right? I mean, you've checked sort of normal illnesses off the list. Now we're into very strange, you know, outlier illnesses. And what was so terrifying for me is what I realized in that moment is that I could no longer continue to execute the formula for success that had brought me to that point, which looked like say yes, deliver, make it look easy, pleasing, and agreeable, and then just keep saying yes and taking on more and more. And I was forced to confront that that was a formula I literally could not sustain physically, mentally, or emotionally at that point. And I was like, who will I be without all this activity? Well, you know, will I be able to have a career? You know, 
will I be able to keep all these other commitments? The gift in that moment was discovering a different formula for success. I call, I talk about this in my book, Success with Less, but I call it pause, ponder, prioritize. Because see, that pause was forced on me and like you, it was an attention getting moment. Mm. And I thought, you know, what matters to me? And what I discovered in that moment was what mattered most to me was being healthy and well enough to enjoy my life. And that became a filter from that moment forward to, for what I said yes to and what I said no to, because my filter was, does this move me closer to or further from the goal that matters most to me? Now, ultimately I discovered that I had pesticide poisoning. And what I thought was interesting about that, if you're going to choose an illness, I don't necessarily recommend that one, but I, I don't think there's any, any such thing as like a good illness per se. What that forced me to confront though was, I mean, I, I might have had some some toxins in my system, but what I was really hanging on to was a set of very toxic stories and beliefs. And that toxic set of stories and beliefs was, you know, your value comes from saying yes and, and delivering to someone else's definition of what success looks like. That major medical journey changed everything for me, just like losing your friend, it sounds like changed everything for you. And, and that compelled me to really look for ways to share, hey, you know, you can go look at, at my LinkedIn profile or yours or anyone else's. There's a human behind that story. And that success has probably taken a toll to some degree. This isn't a, a linear path that's like, you know, on a trajectory up and to the right. It was a very difficult journey. And for me, ultimately, what it became was an opportunity to change my relationship with work, to change my relationship with success, and to build some tools to hopefully help other people do the same and feel the permission to do that, you know, to be real. Yeah. You know what? Like, even, even listening to that now, like, th this is what I love about the whole campaign and getting to meet people like yourself and just talking, just like, it doesn't matter who we are. Everyone has those em emotions. We're all humans. And I suppose when if we can relate it back to one of your books about the, the, the turning down the noise that can go from anywhere from turning down the noise with the mental health, but with the, with the customers. So I suppose, do you lead that into your book? Tell me a little bit more about, about your books. So like, and where we can find them as well, of course. Yes. Yes. So the books are all available at your favorite, you know, online or in-person retailer, uh, Amazon, of course, being one of them. And, one of the things that I've discovered is so powerful is deep listening. And I think people who do deep listening ask great questions. They ask different conversations to open up the conversation, whether that conversation is with a customer or with a colleague or with a, you know, with, you know, someone that's in your personal life. And then when, when great listeners, deep listeners ask these thought provoking questions, they pause and they listen to that answer. They listen to that story and they get deeply curious about what it means. And so when I think about sort of how this plays out across, you know, my own personal journey and what I share about accessing success in your professional journey, whether that's with customers or in our new work from home or work from anywhere world, I think listening to your own voice and listening to the voice of your customers and listening to the voice of your colleagues, it is one of the most powerful tools to find a way forward. 
you know, to quiet the noise enough to know, right, to, to have listened to my health a little sooner to say, I don't think something, you know, something doesn't seem right. Maybe I should get a little curious and, and dive into this. You know, with customers, I find that, you know, we ask some questions that can open up really new kinds of conversations. And what it takes is, is really listening to them with a beginner's mind. Truly at this point in most of our careers, having the discipline to say, I'm going to listen to this as if I've never asked this question or heard the answer I think they're about to give me before. I mean, just truly listening and opening up to that. And then, you know, in, in working from home, I mean, I think a very pervasive theme is people not feeling like they're being seen and heard, you mm -hmm. know, by their managers and by their organizations about what they need to really live and work in a sustainable way. So I think deep listening is one of the most powerful tools to get to breakthrough success and to build better and deeper relationships. I agree. And I was once told, actually, it was by, um, I think it was David Meltzer who actually put this in my head and I absolutely loved it. And he said, there's three types of listeners. And he was like, there's those who, who find it hard to listen. It was like those, whether you're having an interview or anything, they're listening, but they're too in their head and they're thinking of what to say next. And that can relate to business or anything. Or there's those that listen intently. They're just hanging off everything that says, and it just flows in conversation wise. And it's, it, it's so true because I've, I've been in rooms and Lewis House popped in a room on this clubhouse. There's some incredible people that pop on. And this moderator who was running the room, he actually got drowned out by the noise and everybody was jumping on top of Lewis. And Lewis said exactly what you were saying there. Very some, And whether I picked up on it intuitively, I'm going through adversity or going internal myself, but he kept on saying, he makes his guess that listen, 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 listen. And at the end, I knew there'd be a moment silent. And I, I just said, first of all, Scott, thank you for moderating a great room. Secondly, Lewis, thank you. I heard you. And then I left the room. And he, he actually was doing the little clap on the audio thing because it's so profound. It is. It's listening. That's whether it's basic or or. or. And you just hit it. I mean, the three most powerful words in leadership are I hear you. I mean, what you offered him was a gift, right? Of, of the acknowledgement of, I hear you. I, I see for who you are. I'm hearing what you're saying to me. I'm deeply internalizing that. And, and that shows up, right, in many different ways. But what we found, especially in doing the research for Listen Up, is those using those exact words, just like you did, is what really creates the resonance and helps people feel that connection and being heard in a very deep way. And in a way that motivates them to, to sort of tell you more. Do you find that with, with your career? Because obviously the way you've progressed and gone up and, and you've done TEDx and you've done world speaking stages and presentations that from the outside, again, what I'm trying to break down the notion is people would think you were kind of an extrovert and, and, and that was in your environment. But was that always the case or have you had to lead through that again? I am an extreme extrovert. And so what I have to lead through is making space and learning how to connect with people who have styles different from mine. And I, you know, I think that's a challenge for all of us. And in fact, I recall at one point doing some kind of an assessment, you know, it's, it's one of the, the many, right. That happens perhaps throughout the, the course of a career in corporate America, particularly in big companies. And, you know, it was a fascinating test. I mean, you were solving word puzzles at another point you're solving number puzzles you're doing sentence diagramming they're playing these tones for you and you're saying like higher lower i mean 
anyway, it was all about kind of how your brain intuitively works. And when the, when the, uh, when the guy who was running the assessment came back to me to do the debrief, he said two things that were deeply comforting to me. First, you are the person who always without question or hesitation should pay the people at Ikea to put the furniture together for you. <laughs> I felt absolved because I was like, I really, really cannot do that. This is not a mind over matter. I just, I don't think my brain does that. And it was such a relief to have permission from him to just do that. <laughs> and the second thing he said is, um, you're such an extreme introvert. You know, you get your energy from being with people and connecting with people. And he said, and in the moments that you need to refresh, uh, you probably need about 10 minutes of alone time and then you are good. <laughs> and so, you know, dur during this period of time where, you know, I, I can't be on stages or with people in person, I've had to find some different ways to, to meet that need. And I find candidly that conversations like what we're having right here and the conversation we had in Clubhouse are really powerful connecting tools because the basis of them is not, you know, sharing information or persuading one another, we're having a conversation. You know, we're creating, you know, a set of new ideas or, you know, something to inspire someone. You know, yeah. Do you find that you lead with, so this is what I've been learning. I always lead by humility. What I don't know, I don't know. So I think you can't go far wrong. If you, if you don't know something, you always ask questions. And I love conversations like this because it, everything's a blessing. Everything's learned. When it comes to the corporate career, and they always say, they talk about energies and vibrational frequencies. We all lead off them. There's the masculine and the feminine energy. I noticed at the beginning, I was very dominated by the masculine, which was go, 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 go. I never gave myself that time for that feminine energy of the passionate and the creativity side, which is when I hit a wall, which is when my mental health took a turn. Did you notice anything relating to that, which is why you, you kind of moved into the mindfulness a lot more? Yes. and. Something that happens, you know, I think a dynamic that's that's just a normal human phenomenon is we all want to belong. And, you know, we want to belong to communities, we want to belong in our families, and we want to belong in our workplaces. And a story that I told myself for a long period of time is that belonging at work, particularly being a female in a high-tech environment that's largely male-dominated meant largely blending in or behaving like the people around me. And so I thought, you know, if only uh, I could just blend in with these other people who don't look like me, then I will belong. So I started to, you know, sort of study their habits, right? What do they wear? What do they talk about? How do they interact, et cetera? And I thought, well, I'll just do that. And, you know, what happened along that way is I, I had this very attention getting moment where I was interviewing for a job. And the interviewer asked me, what is a very normal question? He said, you know, what's your value proposition? And I paused for so long that I thought, what is it? I mean, I spent so much energy and effort trying to blend in that in my own mind, I was no longer distinguishable. I mean, I had just sort of like tried to blend in. By the way, I was never fooling anyone. There's not one guy that I've worked with that I'm aware of my entire life that was like, she seems, she seems like a guy to me. I mean, I don't think so. I could be wrong. I didn't survey any of them and ask. And uh, what I have realized is leading from the place of my full strengths and feeling, the, feeling good about how I show up at work and producing my best work means showing up as myself and using all of the skills and attributes that come with me 
you know, in service of the outcomes that we deliver. And so when I'm obscuring some part of myself, like you're using this feminine energy example, because it feels like there's a contextual signal that that might be limiting rather than expansive. I'm keeping myself stuck in playing small when what's available is to be expansive. And what I had to step through is the door to the other side that says, is that story true? How do you know it's true? And who would you be without that story? And I think that's the most powerful part, right? Who would I be without the story that if I showed up at work as my full self, that I wouldn't belong or I might not be as successful? And what I'm finding is exactly the, the opposite, candidly. The more I show up at my, as myself at work and in my relationships and life, the better those are and the better they feel. So that then leads me on to a great segue into what you just said there about really just all in all stepping into your truth and being your authentic self, being you for that expansive nature. What does attesting to the campaign, what does being imperfectly perfect mean to you? Being, being perfectly imperfect means being willing to show up as yourself unapologetically. And I think it also means just calling it, you know, out loud, speaking it into the room when you're feeling that you're not yourself or something is out of alignment. You know, I feel like so much, you know, of showing up as we try to put forward this perfect image, like everything is great. Everything is awesome. And I have it all together. And what happens, and, and I learned this a, a really, in a really very real way uh, when I got kind of toward the end of that major medical journey that I was telling you about. And I decided for the first time in my life, I was going to take holiday for two weeks and do no work. I mean, no secret texting when you're like walking up to pay the bill at the restaurant, you know, no, I just need to hop on one call, like completely disconnect. And naturally, I mean, you would expect that that was a refreshing experience and it was. The unintended benefit and the lesson I learned from that about this perfectly imperfect uh, aspect that we're talking about is when I returned to work and I was visiting with my team and of course they're asking about holiday and how it was and where I went and how I was feeling. And I'll never forget the comment from one woman on my team. She said, I'm so glad you finally trusted us enough to leave us here in charge and to take a break. And I thought, oh my goodness. See, in, in trying to show up as perfect and do it all and have all the answers and you know, make everything happen in my point of view at that time, I had unintentionally set a very damaging expectation with my team that they needed to be perfect too. And perfect by my definition was working all the time, being the most responsive, you know, really just taking things and running with them. And I, if for all of the other ways I could tell them my leadership values, you know, our actions always speak louder than our words. And I thought, oh my goodness, I have tried to force them, you know, into this being perfect, you know, this, mm -hmm. this mode. And when I started showing up differently with that team, we got to break through results that would not have been possible because for me it was like well they know i'm not perfect and they know i need a break too because i'm human and i think when we connect with people and on that extreme humanism level when it's i see the human not what the human could do for me yeah. and we show up in a human way in that moment that's where great connection happens that's the great moment of possibility 
And you know, what that required for me was letting go of a story that no longer served me, which is to be successful or to have the respect of your team or your colleagues. You have to say yes to everything, do everything, be working all the time and make it appear that none of that is taking a toll on you. It's all going awesome. And I thought, wow, and showing up that way for so many years, I propagated that and put that into a lot of other people's worlds. And I'd love to go back and undo that if I could. I can't. Um, but, the, but the good news, I mean, I think, you know, the, the beauty of getting unstuck about how we feel about, you know, our past is to be fully present in the moment we have right now and recognize that we have the opportunity to choose differently. Absolutely loving this conversation. I know you've got to get on your day. So I, I've got two quick questions for you, but your, your energy just radiates so much. You can just feel it and you're dropping so much wisdom on it. I just love it. And I know that the audience are. And because we have got a vast range of audience members that are listening to this and corporate sector as well, with what you just said there, if you could offer any advice or wisdom, what you've learned to any corporate leader out there from what you've experienced and seen, what would you say to them? The greatest barometer for the quality of your life is how you see yourself and then how you allow yourself to show up in the world of work. Wow. Love it. Love it. Love it. And so many people are going to take away from it. So I, I just want to say on, on behalf of the, of the campaign and just coming on and sharing your words, I truly thank you. And for everything that you're doing, what, what's next for yourself, Karen? I mean, three books already. Have you got any more projects coming out? Are you writing another book at the moment? I mean, COVID's on, so are you going to get back on those stages other than Zoom? Well, you know, what's been interesting is that I have conversations with organizations and indiv individuals, you know, about the concepts in the books, you know, about how to be successful now. Uh, what people ask me most frequently is, now what? Because what's starting to happen is as we're slowly having the opportunity to return to work and to life uh, with some of the restrictions that have been placed upon us being lifted, what we're discovering together is we're truly not going back to the way it was. You know, the office for a while isn't going to be how we remember it. You know, going to a sporting event or a live concert for a while isn't going to be how we remember it. And organizations and individuals are, are asking me now what? And so what I'm working on is a blueprint. So sort of 10 principles to help people make intentional choices about how you design work, the workplace and the workforce to give everyone equal opportunity to be successful from this point forward, to give people the tools to choose differently and to design in some really important aspects of work like how we make sure everyone has equitable access to it and can contribute. Wow. And where can everybody find more information about you? Of course, I'm going to put all the links on and all the Amazon links to your books, but just, just for setting the record state, where else can we find you? You can find me on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Karen Manja. And I post new thought leadership and ideas regularly. And I love to hear from all of you because I don't know about you, this is my first pandemic, and that means everybody has an opportunity to contribute an idea that might resonate and make someone else's quality of work and life improve. And you can also find Karen regularly now and again on Clubhouse as well? Yes, that's correct, yes. I'm uh, hanging in the Clubhouse, it's a fun experience. It is. Well, again, I just want to say on behalf of myself and the audience, thank you very much for all you do. I mean, you've impacted people all around the world with what you do. So thank you very much.
Thank you for the opportunity. You are welcome. And guys, I will put all the links up below. So please remember to subscribe to Spotify, iHeartRadio for the Imperfectly Perfect podcast. Until next time, please remember to keep having those hard conversations because the hard conversations save lives. Thank you. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.